0: So I, I jotted down a couple of the questions that came up this week. The first three or four are related to this time of the year, this calendar. So, um, you know, yesterday was uh, was Xmas or whatever, Christian, uh, big Christian day. So just to discuss a little bit of what's allowed in this time of year. So the first question that you have to deal with, is whenever you're dealing with the shilas of Christianity in general, the first question that a lot of poets can deal with, and just to understand a little bit of a background, is, is Christianity considered Avodah Now let me explain, because uh, a lot of people misunderstand this. Christianity is definitely Avodah for us. For Jews, L'kuli alma, L'chol there's no question that it's considered Avodah for Yidin, meaning, if loyalenu. There would be a guy who comes with a gun to someone's head and says, uh, become Christian or do something that's considered a Zarah for Christianity, except yoshka whatever. That's Avada, Avodah uh, there's no question. The question is for Goyim. Meaning, we as the children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'ni B'chari Yisrael, we're obligated to have certain Hashkafas, Hashkafas achayin, and to believe in things that are against the high standard of Yiddishkeit is definitely Avodah Non-Jews do not have that standard. They have the Sheva Mitzvah Noach. One of the Sheva Mitzvot Noach is to believe in God. The question is, Is does Christianity is considered Avodah or not? So it's a big Machleikas HaRishayinim, meaning for Goyim. If a guy does Christianity, is he considered an Oivet Avodah for Goyim? It's a big Machleikas HaRishayinim, the Taisvis... Taisiris and Sanhedrin dafsamkhimovilbeis and the Ramon and simikofnunvov say that there's no prohibition for a christian to do dizar. I'm not getting involved in the their mythology whatever they believe but the split up of Hashem loyaleinu they feel that that's fine for a guy. It's fine for a guy. The real avedizara like you know like bowing to the sun that's avedizara. What they believe is so it's fine for a guy. Fine for a guy. <laughs> it's not universally accepted, though, however, the Rambam disagrees. Now, this Rambam, the reason why a lot of people didn't quote this Rambam is because it was taken out by the censors. The Christians took it out because it wasn't uh, aligned with their belief. But the Rambam in Hilchas HaVay Zara, Tes HaLaChadalit, and Hilchas Machalas Asuras, Perik Yid Aleph writes very clearly that it is considered full fledged HaVay DeZorah, is in all situations. Okay, that's more of a, just a background whenever you're dealing with Christianity. It's not relevant for us. Because like I said, for us it's definitely Avodah the there's no question. The question is whether it's for them. It's not much of a nafka, Mina, because that's, they'll have to figure that out after 120 years. But here's the question. The question is, are you allowed to say uh, his name? Uh, Yoshka, you know, listen, if you're around yeshiva guys long enough, you'll never hear J-E-S-U-S, the name is not going to be yeah, that's right. because, sir, The question is: Is there an isser of saying his name? And then what about the C part, C H R I S T? I'll say this: It's definitely not something a Jew should be saying. The question is: Is there an isser to say? I'm talking. I'm not talking about if you have a neighbor that I'm saying to say, referencing that man. So why would it be aser? So I'll tell you. Like there's, there's a shulchan, they brought down a shulchan aruch. It's it's, it's a pasuk. Um, uh, well, says, Kiru that there's a special Isser da'irai, so you're not supposed to say the name of a god or even have his name be said because of you. Like the Gemara says, if you're meeting by, uh, you want to meet by the street corner and there happens to be Avedazara there, you can't say, we'll meet by the Avedazara and say the name of the Avedazara because you're not supposed to even have the name be said. Hashem doesn't want the name of an Avedazara being said. So the question is, according to this, is it Aser So Alpi technical, halacha. It is not asr to say the J part. J-E-S-U-S is not asr. And that's because of, based on the teaching of the Urayim. Let me read you the words of the Uraim. This is brought down by the Agois Maimonis in Hilchas Avoidazara, Perichai, Sivkotim Gimel. The Agois Maimonis on the bottom of the, shul, of the Rambam, he says, Kasavraim, ain elihus. It is only asr to say an Avoidazara if the name of Avoidazara implies divinity or holiness, but if there happens to be a religion that they happen to glorify a person's name, that, the Maiman is quoting from the Sefi Yireim, said that there's no Eser. So technically saying the name J-E-S-U-S is not Eser. Now, should a person say this? It's not, you know, it's like when it comes to these topics, you're supposed to distance yourself from all things that are impure. And therefore it's not something I would say in a shul, but is it Osir to say his name? No, it's not technically Osir. We'll get to the other things in a moment. I will say this. I was listening to Rabbi Ari Liebowitz. He has one of these 10-minute halachas on this. And he says something interesting. He says, I don't know who he was quoting. I forgot who he was quoting. But he says that in in, in yeshivas, they'll never say his name. Now, again, it's technically modern. They'll say Yoshka or Yeshu. Yeshu. Yud, Shin, Vav. Even though a lot of historians say his name was Yeshua. you know, So they say Yeshu, Yud, Shin, Vav. Stands for Yemach Shemoy Vizichroy. So, like, even when you say his name, if you could put it down a shtickle, that, that's always very good. The point is, but there's technically no isser with saying his name. What about the C part, Christ? Now, that's aser. That's that's clearly aser. Rav Schechter also holds that it's aser. Many poskim say that it's aser. If you look at Truvis, Rav Azriel Simon Simen Kuf Pei, he talks about it. Pashas, that's also because C H R I S T means. It's uh, Greek for uh, uh, for Meshuach, uh, anointed. It implies holiness. It implies something special, the Savior. And therefore, that is Aser. So Every once in a while, you'll have people that'll say it like, oh, when they're upset. It's not something a Jew should be saying, bichlal, but the C is Mamish Mamashasa. Now, what about referencing the holiday that was yesterday? C H R A S T M A S. So the truth is, I heard that Rav Rav Shechter Taka holds that Alpi Halacha. Uh, It's technically Mutter because you're not actually referencing an idolatry, you're referencing a holiday of theirs. It doesn't. But. It's not something that a Jew should be saying. It, it's something that we try to avoid, uh, although I'll technically, I'll uh, be technical halach, it's probably okay, but it's something you should avoid. I always say Xmas, even though I did hear that X is really uh, Latin for C-H-I, Chi, and okay, whatever. I, I, I don't like to say it, uh, it's, not, it's not something I feel comfortable saying. But so the name is Taka technically. C-H-R-I-S-T is Mam Shaser. And the holiday yesterday, probably mutter to say, but it's not something that I would feel comfortable saying. I try to avoid it. They, you know. So that's that's how it came up. That's how it came. up That's how it came up. Someone asked me, "Can I mention Mary?" so I, I don't say that I don't think a Jew should be saying that that's not I, I don't think that that's again whether it's technically us or just something that a Jew shouldn't be doing hard to know but what I, I tell people if you're stuck say happy holidays say happy holidays happy holidays they'll, they'll accept it but to say Merry Xmas that, those words to come out of a Jew I, I, I don't think that it's one of those where I'm not uh, I'm not comfortable with that I, 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 I don't know how you have to remember historically what this day was right there's, a, there's an old minig there's an old minig from Chasidim that what, what day is it? What, uh, what was the what uh, was the Eve? It was Sunday night this past? So Sunday night is nitel. They don't learn Torah now. Why don't they learn Torah? It's an old Hasidish minig not to learn Torah. It's going back hundreds of years. Now, by the way, just agav before I go weiter. I when I was in yeshiva, I used to be the like, guy. Ah, you know, you Listen, there's a Maisa with the Bubba of a rebbe. So I heard the Bubba of a rebbe once came in and he saw someone learning. He saw Bachar learning. He said, "No, it's nittal. You're not supposed to learn on nittel, Chasim don't learn on Nittal. So he started making fun of it. He said, no, uh, let me see. The Gehenim can't be that bad. So the Baba Rebbe said, the Gehenim for learning on Nittal is not bad. The Gehenim making fun of a minute of many Jews, that's, that's, that's pretty stark. So I don't make fun of it. I, I, listen, big, big, big. I'm talking, the Baba Rebbe didn't learn. Now what did he do? He, he said to him. He, uh, he wrote letters that was when, I mean, there were points where they would play chess, but he, by the way, they would also go to sleep and they would wake up early, but I, I'll just explain what's the Indian of not learning, and you'll see one of the reasons is why it's relevant. Now one reason, i which I'm not getting into, is that the night is so tame that the Torah is like hijacked, and goes in that direction. But uh Pashab shat very simple. The Khazanish writes that the minig, the reason why many Hasidim didn't learn on that night, is because that night they were they were it was a pogroms. And if you went out to learn in the shuls, you'd get you'd get beaten up. So you have to remember what that night was. It's that night historically was a very, very dangerous night for Jews. Uh, you know, the, the, the Xmas Eve was not a good night for us it was a night where Jews were mamish, killed and programmed, so to, for, to, to celebrate in any form, I, it's not something I would do, even to say, Merry, whatever I would just say happy holidays, they'll, they'll take it they're not going to say, it. I just, Agav, by the way I, I mention this every year, it's something that like, I know I seem like an old man, but I'll, I'll throw it out, why not there was a sheer once that I heard from Rabbi Weinberger it's a Merdike shir, you could find it on YU Torah uh, type in Yochevar Here's a shir on, on it's called Yochevet. It's on Zeis Hanukkah and Yochever. And in there he talks about, in, in in a very beautiful way, it's something It's coming up. I don't know if Jews are going to be celebrating it again this year. I'd like to think that we got bigger stuff, bigger, bigger fish to fry this year. But um, uh, New Year's is... Uh, wh- whether it's technically in isser of Avodazar, I'm not going to get to. It's probably not Asar to celebrate it. Maybe Chukaz but if you remember what historically what it is, it's conceptually again the, the, the dates are technically off of when historians believe that person Yoshka, was born. And but he was technically born on Xmas, and then the Bris is is New Year's. So you understand that the, it's celebrating the day of his Bris which Bris is meant to keep you within Yiddishkeit, is to keep you within us and it's a religion that's spilled out, I don't think it's something that would be very appropriate. You know, I don't think our grandparents and our great-grandparents would be very proud of us if they see, what are you doing on, on New Year's Eve? I'm going to the city to j- watch the ball drop. I don't, I don't think that that's something that they would be very proud of. Uh, what's the difference? If you remember what it was, what it was is it was meant to celebrate the Brismila, which is all about the Shmira, which is about the Kedusha of Klai Yisrael, for, for, to celebrate it, Going to another place, going to places that it shouldn't be that, that's not—that's not that's not, that's not something I don't think a Jew should do. But okay, just to run through a couple other halachas, just to keep them more quick. That was just more of a background. I want—I have a, a couple other halachas that I'm just going to run through. Um, just a quick shaila. Okay, four or five quick shailas, just to run through. Um, the first one is a very very simple shaila. It's just more—it's more—it's definitely more to get to this side of the shul. Just more of a, a nitty gritty thing um if you ever find yourself on monday and thursday so most people are wearing talisim, right if you're single you're not wearing a talis unless you're safari, right so the question is i've been in shuls i've been in shuls and they get you get an aliyah right so you're wearing a tefillin right you're just wearing tefillin you have a bar mitzvah kid he's wearing tefillin he's not wearing a talis. does he have to put on a talis for lading for kriya satara so sometimes you'll have to hand you a talis. Rav Shleim Azalman Orbach in Halicha Shleim writes very clearly that during Monday and Thursday if you're getting an aliyah as long as you're wearing tefillin that's enough you do not have to wear a talus as well. He explains the reason why you have to wear something when you have an aliyah even though it's like what's the difference? The answer is it's not respectful to the congregation for you to go up to the Torah not wearing anything you have to at least sort of match the congregation. Matching the congregation Rav Shleim felt is enough if you either wear talus or tefillin if you're wearing tefillin, the same way you're matching the congregation when you daven, that's true for laning as well. And therefore, you don't have to put on a talus. It's, it's unnecessary. If you're not wearing tefillin, if you're just nothing, then you have to put on a talus. But if you're wearing tefillin, a talus is, is unnecessary. That's what Shalem is. It's good to know. It's a good thing to remember because a lot of times you have it where people go up there and they're like, they'll like they grab a talis and it's, it's a whole big commotion when it's completely unnecessary. Okay. One more shayla. Let's keep running through. So this shayla was asked uh, recently. Um, you went to the bathroom. Obviously, after you go to the bathroom, you say, But you forgot. The question is, how long is it sort of too late? Meaning, is there a time limit where you no longer can say, So, the shita of the Benishchai and the chida is that half hour. Half hour. The benishchai writes in Parshish Vayet say, A half hour is the most. Once it goes past a half hour, Too late. I, I, he doesn't explain why, but I would assume a half hour is considered like a short period of time. Once it's past a half hour, now it's already like... you know, it's, it's 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 a long, long time. After 30 minutes is no good. That's the Benesh Chai. Ravad Yosef in Halichas in disagrees. Now just by the way, a quick little, quick, quick, quick background. Um... I'm sure you probably know this for sure, uh, but anyone who doesn't, it's just good to know these things. My Rebbe in Halach is Ravad Yosef. I always feel very connected to Ravad Yosef. So, Ravad Yosef, one of his sets of Svarim that I, I love very much is Halichas Okay, Halichus Oilam was a shear that he gave when he was a young man. He was young, I, I don't know exactly how old. I think he was 18 or 19, maybe 20. I, I don't know the exact. He was a young, young man. He was hired by Rav Kaduri, actually who is the Gabai of an Iraqi shul, he was hired to give a shir to Iraqi Jews, older Iraqi Jews, on Beneshchai. So Beneshchai is a, is a Sefer by the postik from Baghdad, and big, big, big Posik, big, big Tzadik, and he was going through the Sefer. Now he noticed many, many times that he disagreed. Now the reason why he disagreed, Rav Yosef had a fundamental disagreement with the Beneshchai, and that is, um, just very, very quick, this is good to know, Um, the, the, the Beis Yosef, the author of the Shulchan Aruch that all Sfardim rely on, and Ashkenazim also do when there is no machlokas between him and the Ramah, the Beis Yosef was the authority of all halacha. Now the Beis Yosef was an older man in his shul. Now in his shul, when he was an older man, he might have been in his upper 70s, in his shul he had a very, very young man named the Arizal. Now the Arizal was a very, very young man. Uh, he died in his 30s. And when the Beis Yosef died, the Arizal was particular not to uh, do anything different than him while he was alive, covered for, Ariz- for the Beis Yosef, he, he, didn't, he didn't do his Kabbalah stuff, you know, he did, he, respect. After the Beis Yosef died, then all the Arizal's customs started coming out. The question is, if you have a situation where the Beis Yosef in Shulchan Aruch wrote one thing, but the Arizal disagreed, what would the Shulchan Aruch say? The Benishchai and the Chidah felt that the Shulchan Aruch would have reversed his opinion. Had he known that the Arizal disagreed with him, he would have backed down. And that's why many times the b'siyos, the Benishchai and the Chidah will disagree with the Shulchan Aruch for Kabbalistic reasons. Ravad Yosef felt very strongly. That, that is incorrect. Ravad Yosef, who they say, he might have been a Gilgal of the of the Bishyais, if I don't know, but he felt very strong, that Machzara Terliyoshna, to put the crown back on the head, he felt that you follow Shulchan Aruch, you follow Shulchan Aruch, no matter what. And therefore he started disagreeing with the Benishchai a lot. And it's all fundamentally the same machlokas, it's Kabbalah or Halacha, Kabbalah or Halacha. By the way, even nowadays, even today, the the Rav is not alive, you have the same thing happening between his son, Rav Yosef, and Rav Yaakov Hillel, who's a big, big mikubbal, and it's the same thing. It's the same Kabbalah or Halacha. So Rav Yosef started disagreeing with the Benishchai, And whenever he would give the shir, he would give his opinion. He got fired, by the way. <laughs> Postscript He got fired because uh, Rev Kaduri said, I, I it's just ca- causing too much of a ruckus. He's a young man disagreeing with the Benish Chai, it was it was it was a balagan. Um, but they put it together all the times that he disagrees with the Benish Chai, and it's an eight volume set I have in my house called the Halikh So, in there, he disagrees with the Benish in this halacha as well. The Benish feels that again, what's the time limit of when you can no longer say Ashayatzar? He says 30 minutes. Ravadi disagrees. He quotes from the Ritva, one of the Rishonim, that it's 72 minutes. And he says, because that's the amount of time that it takes for the body to, to, to break down food. So he says, not only does he say that you should follow 72, he says, had the Benishchai known that one of the Rishonim disagrees, and the Benishchai would have backed down. So that's just a little bit poetic justice. So it turns out it's a is between 30 minutes and 72 Revadi says 72 Revaphraim Efraim Greenbladzat Salim Rav Fraim Cheliches also says 72 I definitely think you could rely on 72 but I will say this if you need the bathroom again once you need the bathroom again meaning let's say you waited 45 minutes you forgot and you waited 45 minutes and now you're like okay Revadi says 72 I'm good but I need the bathroom again you can't say it anymore now go to the bathroom and make one bracha, and, and that'll cover for both. So that's the machlaikas, whether 30 or 72, and I think the, the Hanhaga, you could definitely follow 72 minutes. Obviously, it's better to do it right away, but it happens sometimes. Like I mentioned once, I don't know if I mentioned it here, but I definitely mentioned it once, maybe on a Friday night. There's a shayla of whether you're allowed to say Asha Yatzah during Psuka de Zimra, right? After Yishtabach on, meaning once you finish Yishtabach on during Shema, you no longer can say Asha Yotzeh. If you go to the bathroom during Shema, you have to not say Ashayatza. You say Ashayatza after Shemonesse. That's universally accepted. During de Zimra is a machlokas. Some say you could, some say you can't. One of the reasons to say that you could, it's brought down by the Bir is because they're afraid that if you don't say Ashayatza now and you wait till all the way after Shemonesse, you might forget. Others disagree and they say, well, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to. But if you follow the view that you're not allowed to, that could be very, very common that you don't say Ashi then, you finish davening, completely forget that you were supposed to, half hour later realize, oh, I forgot to say Ashi but now I need the bathroom again. In which case, you can no longer say Ashi Okay. A couple more halachas. Uh, One halacha is just very quick I wanted to mention, just because a lot of people are not aware of it. It turns out it's probably okay, but I just wanted to give a bit of a background. The halacha is like this. When it comes to, uh, sometimes when you're seeing people daven, the more you learn halacha, the more you're sort of aware. Um, part of being, like, really knowing halacha is you also know that almost everything people do, there's what to rely on, so you don't have to make people crazy. But you'll see people daven, and then sometimes their talus will just fall off, accidentally. like During daven, you'll fall off. The Shulchan Aruch writes in Simen Ches Sif Tesvav Im nafla taliso shlo If your talis falls off during davening accidentally chozer You have to make another bracha automatically Meaning, even though when you take off your talis and you plan on let's say just going to the bathroom Talis, not film, I'm talking talis You're like, listen, I want to go outside for five minutes i am take my talis off and then I'll just I'll put it back You do not have to make another bracha because five minutes is not a long time but that's where you took it off with the mindset that you're going to put it back on. When it falls off, that's worse. And therefore, an automatic bracha is necessary. That's what the Shulchan Aruch says. That's brought down by the Mishaburah as well. You see that, you're like, uh-oh, nobody does that. So just to vindicate people, Roshleim Zalman Orbach says that that's only true after davening. Meaning, let's say you have it where it's like Shabbos afternoon, a Shabbos morning. Davening is over, but people still have their talis on. And then it falls off. You put it back on. You definitely need another bracha. Rishlay felt that during davening, we could assume that the average person has his mind that it should just work all of davening, and therefore it's okay. But I will say this: if your talis falls off to you during davening and you make another bracha, that's probably definitely okay to do. I'm not saying it's you have to because you have this vindication from Rishlay Mizalman orbach, but there's definitely room to say that it's uh, that it's that it's required to make another bracha. Again, minig is very lenient, but there's definitely something there. One more thing I just mentioned. I've mentioned this many many times for some reason. I don't understand why people don't. I don't like to do this to people. But like their tefillin are not in the right spot. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like it's like it's a thing like from when I'm a kid that you hear about. The tefillin cannot go past the hairline. I don't know why it's so hard for people. Maybe it's because they don't know how to adjust it. Then just get it adjusted. Because you see people and the tefillin are mamish like in the forehead. You're not yaitzah. You're not going to fulfill the mitzvah. Have it back. The truth is, you have all the way to the soft spot of the baby, which is like the, you know about a third of the way back. That's all where you could put your in. So just have it more back than more front. I just, I just, you know, whatever. And also, but here, not in the crook of the elbow. It's supposed to be at least two finger lengths above. Just, I don't know. I, I just don't like to tell people, but maybe someone's going to listen and, and just try to adjust the tefilins that they wear properly. Um, okay, two more shylas that I wanted to mention. record this. Um, Tefillin is not supposed to be put on a non-Jew, no, but, uh, unless they're in the process of converting and they're learning how to, that's different, but um, part of the, it's going to happen, part of, you know, when the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, one of his campaigns, obviously, to put Tefillin on, that was started right before the Six Day War. Now, there were Rabbanim who felt that he was wrong and they complained against him, and if you read the arguments, they're not, like, at least to us, they're not very convincing. But one of the complaints was that you might put it on someone who's not Jewish, because they're going to say, are you Jewish? And maybe, yes. And, gonna, and "And and that's not really appropriate. And the Rebbe responded, true, and that's going to happen, but the good that we're doing overwhelmingly outweighs it. But technically, no, a non-Jew should not be putting on tefillin. Uh, again, it's, it's also they shouldn't be putting this, as, again, uh, you know whatever, that, that, that no, they probably shouldn't be. Um, two more Shailahs. Now this happened Friday night. Some comes over to me and he said, his wife, she's upstairs, she forgot to Davim Mincha before she lit. What does she do now? So let me just explain a little bit of a background of this question I'll explain to you what to do. So the question is basically like this. At least definitely for Ashkenazi, and we'll get to them in a moment, the Ashkenazi approach is that when a woman lights candles, she accepts Shabbos. Right? The second she lights candles, it's Shabbos for her. Now because of this, she has to daven mincha before lighting candles. Because once she lights candles, it's Shabbos. You can't daven mincha. Mincha is Friday. Mincha is yesterday. Once it's Shabbos, it's Shabbos. It's tough though nowadays where Shabbos is starting at 4.11, 4.12, whatever it is. Sometimes they're running running out of time. The Mishabura writes that ideally everyone agrees you should daven mincha before candle lighting. If you did not, for whatever reason, either because you ran out of time or because you forgot, the Mishabura's opinion is as follows. The Mishabura writes, this is in Simon Reish Samach Gimel, Sifkat and Mem Gimel. The Mishabura writes that here's what you do. You daven two mayrivs. You do not daven mincha anymore. According to the Mishabura, once you lit candles, don't daven mincha anymore. You can't, it's too late. Because you accepted Shabbos upon yourself, and therefore, what do you do? And by the way, what's the source that once you accept Shabbos upon yourself, you can no longer daven mincha? Because the Shulchan Aruch writes that if you find yourself in a shul, I used to have this problem when I was younger, before Hashivenu, I would daven, my father would do late Shabbos, but I, I, was, I had nothing... When i was a yeshiva guy i had nothing to do with my life i had nothing doing so i sat and i was sitting i was done i was done ready for shabbos 12 o'clock so i would sit at rabbi bergman shul for like four hours before shabbos just sitting and learning so they would have an early minion and then i would daven late because i'm not making early shabbos anyway but i'm there the shulchan haruch writes that if you find yourself at a early minion but you're not davening with them it's instinctive that when the minion says Baruch Hu as Hashem you just answer Baruch with the minion. The Shulchan Aruch writes that if you answer Baruch with the minion, you no longer kedav mincha because Baruch is accepting Shabbos upon yourself, right? Baruch Hu as Hashem Mivoruch, you're accepting myriv. That's a form of an acceptance of Shabbos. Once you accept Shabbos upon yourself, you no longer can daven mincha. That's why I had to, I had to be like very careful not to answer Baruch um, I would just step outside at that time period because I didn't want to be in the shul and not answer baruchu. I remember one time it's funny. There's an older man, it's Holocaust survivor, got very upset with me that I didn't turn around by lechadodi to stand with the mini. I didn't. I wasn't doubting with them, but he felt I was in the corner. He felt I should turn around. And like with the tzeva, so I did it, and then I saw afterwards the Shmir Shabbos Kachasah says that's also a form of accepting Shabbos. So I, I stopped. I just I just left. I just left uh, shul for like five minutes. Once you answer Baruch you wouldn't be able to have milch anymore because that's it. You've you've already sort of ushered in the next day. So so it, it's it's like this. Says the Shabura You see from here that once you accept Shabbos you no longer can daven mincha. So if you lit candles, which is an acceptance of Shabbos, ergo you cannot daven mincha anymore. So what do you do? Daven two mayrivs. Now, even a woman who doesn't normally daven ma'ariv. Should daven two myrives. Now what does that mean? That's based on the pro- process called tashlumen, which is that if a person misses a for because they're not feeling well or because accidental, as long as it's not on purpose. If you didn't daven mincha for whatever reason, assuming it's not because you hate God, just stop, you didn't daven mincha because you were stuck in the car, you weren't feeling well, whatever it is, you do two meyrivs. So what does that mean? What's the process? You daven Mairiv, full myrives, sh'mon Esrei. wait 30 seconds, a second Shmona Esrei, having in mind that to be a makeup. So it says in the Mishabura, that's what you should do for Friday night. For a woman who missed who can't who lit candles without Davim Mincha, you do two Mairifs. And that's true even for a woman who doesn't normally have do two myrifs. That's the Mishabura's opinion. Ravad Yosef feels differently. He strongly disagrees. Ravad Yosef feels that a woman can still Dava Mincha after candlelighting if need be. Although it's not ideal, she could still Davimincha. Mincha. The reason being is because he feels that even if it is an acceptance of Shabbos, it's an individual acceptance of Shabbos. The example I gave about answering Baruch it's not just accepting Shabbos, you're accepting Shabbos with the Tzibar. Accepting Shabbos with the Tzibar is a very high form of acceptance of Shabbos. A woman lighting candles is an individual, and therefore Ravadi Yosef feels that an individual accepting Shabbos, you could still daven mincha afterwards. Now, by the way, it could be, perhaps, again, I don't know, it could be Ravadi Yosef and the Mishvura sort of disagreeing as to how how do you perceive a woman's lighting candles. Ravadi is looking at it as an individual acceptance of Shabbos. The Mishabura is more looking at it as a communal, which is like a very beautiful way of thinking about it, that all the women of this neighborhood in their homes, are commu- a communally accepting Shabbos as women during that time period. But the point is, just to summarize it very B'kitsar, if a woman she should daven mincha before lighting candles, if she did not, then Re- the mishabura feels, due to ribs, Ravad Yosef feels, she could still daven mincha. Now one more, and then I'll, I'm happy one more thing, and I'll, I'm happy to take questions. Uh, one more thing is like this, um, you know, it, it, not to get too nitty gritty, but if a, a person comes late to shul, it's very important that there are certain things you're supposed to answer. Most importantly is Kadusha. Kadusha, which is kadush, 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 Baruch Kavod, Yimloch, all that stuff. It's very, very important that you're supposed to answer with the tzibar. If, let's say, you get into Shul and you're running late and they're already in the middle of asrei, let's say you, and you look at the Chazen Siddur, he's at shma he's like three-quarters of the way done, and you start right now, there's no way you're going to be done asrei by the time they're up to, up to Kedusha. It's just not possible. And therefore, you're sort of putting yourself in a situation where you won't be able to answer Kedusha, because we know that while you're davening Shmonasri, you're not allowed to answer Kedusha. So you're sort of putting yourself in a situation that's very not ideal, and you're not supposed to do that. If you find yourself running late to shul, if you come on time, you just happen to have a very long davening, uh, most Poles come on far with that. I'm talking about you're running late, and you're up to, by the time you're up to Shmonasri, they're already in the middle of and you look at it and you're like there's no way I'm going to be up to it if you have like a minute Shmonesser if you're that guy go ahead whatever it's not not ideal that you daven that quick but conceptually it's fine but if if you have an equal Shmonesser to the Tzibar you can't start Shmonesser so what do you do because if you start Shmonesser you won't be able to answer Kedusha so there's one very very good Eitzah and that is you daven with the Chazan okay which means when the Chazan begins his repetition you repeat with him I want to just address that point. And by the way, that is considered davening tefillah b'tzibar. It's not as good as tefillah with the tzibar. It's tefillah b'tzibar, not tefillah im ha-tzibar. It's not the best. Obviously, the best is to be a part of a minion. But it's the second best thing to do. So when the chazan starts, baruch atah Hashem, you start, baruch atah Hashem, and you say it with him. Now, what this does is allows you to say kedusha because you say it with him. That's the beauty of it. Now, I just want to address one point, uh, two points. And that is, what do you say with him? So, I'll just say it outside. So, um, according, yeah, thank you. So, according to the Mishaburah, it seems, just from the law shown, it implies that you say everything with the chazan, which means, okay, the first two brachas you say with him, then the chazan says, Natish. you don't say it with the tzibar, by the way. You wait for him. And then when he says, that's why it's, it is good for the chazan to say it somewhat out loud, Loud enough for people to hear. So the Chazin says You say it with him. And do, you say, and then Kaddish, 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 You say it with him Baruch and Yimloch. Now the question is: Do you say the whole thing, or just Kaddish, 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 Hashem kvodo, or do you also say Like on Shabbos, are you saying, you know, there's like the first line, and then there's the after the the the, the sort of the the second part. Uh, Rav Shlameh Zalman says you do not say the second part, you just say the first line, but it seems to be the Mishra feels that you could say everything. But according to Rav you're just saying uh, up to the star part. If you look in the Siddur, up to the star, you're not saying the part past the star, but you're saying it with him. If you want to say the whole thing, that's fine. The point is, the beauty of davening with the chazan is it allows you to say Kedusha. So someone asked me, do you say Birchas Kohanim also? <coughs> Meaning... How much are you saying with him? You're saying everything? Or at that point, you could just like, go ahead. So, Rav Shalemizam and Orbach feels you do not say the Birchaz Kohanim with him. You do not say that. That's something you do not say with him. However, the Arach HaSholchan at Rev. Friedman Greenblatt feels that you do. So, I would say this. Practically, if it's at all confusing to you, say everything. You start with the Chazan. Say every word. Kedusha, Birchaz Kohanim. Everything with him. Make sure to, answer, to end Baruch HaTashem HaKel HaKadosh with him at the exact same time. That way you don't have to answer amen. I say everything word for word with the chazen and it's not as good as starting with the tsibar, but it's it's the next best thing. I will right, we'll stop here. For the record, just as an aside, that's why I've been asked this a lot. Let's say you start with the tzibar, right? You start at the same time with them. But you just have a long Shmon Esrei. If you have a long Shmon Esrei, and you daven with with the average seabird It's very likely you'll never answer kedusha because, I'm I, I like over here. I make a conscious effort. I don't want them to wait for me. Uh, for is a couple of reasons. First of all, I don't for my own concentration. I can't stand people like waiting for me. It make, makes me uncomfortable. But also, when there's downtime, that's when people start talking. Let's keep it moving. But if my shmanese is longer, I'm never going to be able to answer with the tzibur. That's why there's different approaches as to when you can have kavanah. There's different approaches. You could basically have kavanah throughout the There's basically three approaches. And I'll just run through them very quickly. Let's say you want to have, let's say, check mark throughout the I'd like to ask for someone for parnasa, uh, for the health of a friend of mine, and for to do tshuva. Those are my three things I want to hit on. There's three different ways you can do it you could do it that each bracha that's relevant, talk about it. So, rifa Einu, talk about health, hashiv talk about tshuva, baruch'elenu, talk about parnasa. Second option is you could put it all during shmak'elenu because shmak'elenu is sort of the miscellany. Or the third option, which is what I do, put it all by elekai netzar, at the very, very end. The reason why that's a little bit better Again, if the kavanah is all the same, like if, if by the time you get to Elekai Kainitzar you've already checked out, then don't do that, because then you're, just, you're wasting your time. But, I don't know, wasting waste your time, but like it's not good, you're losing out of the opportunity. But if everything's equal, do it at Why? Because once you finish Sim Shalom, and you say that line of, you l'rotzon im refi, Hashem suri Ve'Gaili, after that point you can answer Kedusha. So it allows you to have kavanah, but still allows you to answer Kedusha. And sometimes those minutes, you know, can make a difference. No, the so at that, that point you, can answer, Kaddosh, Kaddosh, Kavod, so you, you could answer Kadosh Kadosh, Baruch So you could at least answer the main components then, of it. After you take three steps back, unless there's someone behind you. Yeah. No one's behind. I mean, let's say you've then you it, so. no, then 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 you got to finish. Then it's there's no difference until until you're done. Right. After the first Yularotzon, you can answer that right, part. Right, right. After That's the right. second Yularotzon. If there's someone behind you, so you oh. can't take three steps back, oh. then you could answer. You could okay. daven. You could say Ashrei. You could say Lamnatzeh oh, because okay. you're really done. You just can't take three steps back. But if there's no one behind you and you're just davening, no. So then then, then the it'll be the same. From behind you, you're in middle of Ashrei. You then say a Shalom. Yeah, it's that what you're doing? Say Oseh Shalom. Yeah. Wow. So obviously, if you're a middle of Srei and the Chazan's up to kedusha, you don't answer with him. You're supposed to sit and listen and have kavanah. Yeah, but it's. No, but it's still not, you're right, but it's still not as ideal as saying it. You're right, it's Kavana, but it, it's it's not it's you know, speaking it is always better than, than listening. You know, Shamea is keona, but it's not, it's not, it's not as good as Ona, you know what I mean? We'll say this, just one more point I probably should make. It's not just Ravavadhya. Ravavadya, I'm just saying, because he's the one who's so authoritative about it. There were other postkim Ashkenazi postkim who were defending the women that do Davimincha afterwards. Ravavadia is just for Svaridham, it's for sure. And there were some game that felt that way. It's not ideal. Even Ravavadia says you should not, but but there are posts that do feel that way.